At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare this is pro football blitz with former super contest winners brady cannon and james salinas on vsan the sports betting network Welcome back in to the Pro Football Blitz, hour number three. I am Brady Cannon, live at the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. And my partner, James Salinas, is along via Denver, Colorado, as we continue to prepare for the big game going on at SoFi Stadium Sunday, February 13th, the Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals for Super Bowl 56. And we want to bring in a man from the local Los Angeles area, Michael Duarte. He's a writer and reporter for NBCLA, an award-winning journalist. You can follow him on Twitter at Michael J. Duarte. And, Michael, thank you very much for joining us again. I think it was just a few weeks back that we had, John, maybe before a Rams 49er game. Maybe it was that last regular season game, if I recall. And, of course, the Rams lost that game, but they won the division. And uh, here they are uh, trying to win a Super Bowl. What's the mood been like there in Los Angeles behind this team that really, James and I have talked about it, they kind of just put all their chips in the center of the table. We're going to go out and get a quarterback. We're going to get an edge rusher. You know, we've got Jalen Ramsey. We're going to go get Odell Beckham Jr. We're, We're going all for it this year. And so far, they have gotten there. That part of the task has been completed. Yeah, Brady and James, thanks for having me on again. I believe it was right before that week 18 matchup. And uh, uh, lots to dissect with what you said, but it's incredible to think if we go back to that, and I'm going to use like this metaverse, Marvel universe, cinematic universe analogy where, you know, had the Rams beaten the 49ers, we'd be going on this parallel track where the Saints would have been in the playoffs, you know, on their third or fourth string quarterback. And I don't think they would have been able to go to Dallas and beat the Cowboys. And we don't know where things would have lined up if the Rams had to have traveled to the Lambo and played, you know, in the frozen tundra, like they did a year ago in the playoffs, maybe they don't win that game. Maybe those conditions are not set out for, for a team like this, but just how it works out. The 49ers take care of those two teams for them. They meet at home at SoFi after not being able to beat this team in six straight contests. And they're able to make a, a 10 point rally in the fourth quarter to come back and win that game. And I can tell you ever since that victory, the mood here in Los Angeles is celebratory. I don't think we would have seen such excitement and fandom uh, for the Rams here in Los Angeles had they not made the Super Bowl, had it been San Francisco, let's say, facing off against the Bengals for the third time in Super Bowl history. But I will tell you one thing, just walking around uh, the village, which is a mall here in Los Angeles uh, nearby my house, Rams jerseys everywhere, Rams hats everywhere. That's not something you normally see you know, throughout the season. You might see a little bit of scattered, but honestly, it's more Dodgers hats, more Lakers jerseys. 
this, this town is all Rams now all the time. Uh, and I, I tweeted something about to Aaron Donald, which he actually retweeted and liked a little bit earlier about seeing all the Aaron Donald jerseys everywhere, not just walking around the streets, but uh, at the convention center where they're holding the NFL fan experience at Inglewood by SoFi Stadium on billboards all across the city. Uh, I think this entire city and I think the entire Rams roster, the one that you mentioned where they went all in on to get this chip, they all want to win this for Aaron Donald. Michael, so speaking about Aaron Donald, let's go to the defensive side for the L.A. Rams. And I want to get your perspective on former Denver Bronco that just down the street from Mile High Stadium here in the Mile High City. And Vaughn Miller, the last time we saw him in a Super Bowl, he ended up being the Super Bowl MVP for the Denver Broncos back in Super Bowl 50. Now a rental player coming in midseason. Now we know what his propensity, his propensity is to be able to get after the quarterback. And I think it took a few weeks for him to get acclimated to the defense there. But he's been coming on the last few weeks, getting in that backfield and creating havoc for opposing quarterbacks but I want to get not only your perspective on Von Miller on the field and what he's been able to do and change some of the scheme for the Rams but off the field what has his veteran influence been in the locker room and how has it affected this Rams team yeah great question you know if Aaron Donald is the Hulk we're going to go back to the cinematic universe analogy but you know as powerful as a grenade pin in your hand then Von Miller is like like the butterfly, excuse me, like like a bumblebee, you know? He stings you with like a thousand scratches on your skin. That's how I would describe it, the way he's able to slow his pace, be patient, sometimes push really fast, sometimes use strength, sometimes use the spin move in order to get the quarterback. So on the field, his veteran presence, from what I've heard from the guys, is like unlike anything they've ever seen, just at how he's able to, to know what defenses are trying to do to him, know how he's going to be able to impact the game and rush the quarterback. And when he's able to do that, he gets the attention of the opposing team's offensive line, which frees up Aaron Donald to not get those double and triple teams he's gotten all year and basically all his career. So now he's getting to the quarterback and being able to, to have easy lanes uh, to make some sacks and, and really disrupt things. But off the field, to what you mentioned, this is, this is the more important part of going out and getting Von Miller. Von Miller has been so integral in telling Aaron Donald, not only are you a leader in the locker room by example, by your work ethic, by how much you work out in the weight room, by, you know, follow me through what I do, not what I say. But since Von Miller's arrival, he's really been in Aaron Donald's ear to say, you need to be a more vocal leader. You need to speak up when I know you want to speak up. You need to tell these guys when you see their heads hanging low and things might not be looking good, that they can dig deeper and get it. And I look to that clip that you might've seen that went viral from that NFC championship game late in the third quarter after the Rams got the ball back down, I believe 10 points, he got his defense together. He gave him a raw, raw speech. He said, we got to give more. And they went out and got the job done. That I credit to Von Miller being in his ear to take more of a vocal role. Now, Von Miller on the defensive side of the ball is the only one on this Rams roster with a Super Bowl ring on the offensive side, Sony Michelle, of course. So Von Miller is able to, to what he's told me this week, He's able to go back to those experiences in those two Super Bowls, one he lost with the Broncos, one he won with Peyton Manning in his final year against the Carolina Panthers. And he's able to draw upon those moments and remember the speeches that were given to him by Peyton Manning in those locker rooms, by Aqib Tlaib, by DeMarcus Ware. And he's now literally passing it forward, the same speeches, the same words to this Rams locker room, telling them essentially, you might never get another opportunity like this. This might be a once in a lifetime. This might be your only shot to get to the big game and win it. So we need to focus. We need to not be distracted by the ticket requests and the fans and the media and everything going on. 
and we need to get the job done because this might be your only shot. Great stuff, Michael. Michael Duarte, he is a writer and reporter for NBCLA. You can follow him on Twitter at Michael J. Duarte. And Michael, of course, you talked about the buzz there in Los Angeles. And, you know, Los Angeles hasn't always been seen as a football town because you have the other teams there that you talked about, the Dodgers and the Lakers and what have you, the Los Angeles Kings as well on the ice. Um, But obviously now with the Super Bowl being at SoFi and the home team there representing the NFC, that buzz has really infiltrated the area. Uh is anybody, does it feel like anybody's worried about the Cincinnati Bengals, this opponent that they will be facing in Super Bowl 56? Because as we see one of the legends of the game depart, Tom Brady, it seems like maybe a new one is being formed. Joe Burrow just seems so unflappable. Uh, I mean, they literally could have lost all three of these playoff games, but he just seems to find a way to continue to win. This guy won a national championship, a Heisman Trophy. He just really seems to have that winning gene. And how are the Rams fans, you know, what is their attitude about that? Do they think this guy can keep the magic going? Yeah, James, Burrow right now is hotter than the sun here in Los Angeles on a, on a sunny summer day. He is just scorching right now. And he's just unflappable. Like you said, I believe he led the league in the amount of times he's been sacked this year. I know he had, I think nine sacks uh, in that, that second round matchup against the Tennessee Titans, but yet he just keeps getting back up. And I can tell you it's deflating to a defense. When you take a guy down like this, when you keep putting him on the ground and he just keeps getting back up, keeps firing and he keeps coming back and beating you. And the funny thing to, to say about, are they worried about him? You know, who's leading the cries as far as how, why they should be worried about Joe Burrow and the Bengals. It is Odell Beckham jr. Uh, arguably. And I believe ex- except for Eric Weddle, who came off the couch out of retirement a few weeks ago, the newest member of the Rams uh, who came away halfway through the season because Odell Beckham jr. If you recall, played the last season and a half or so with the Cleveland Browns. So he knows the Bengals very well. And he said, not only just the Bengals, but that whole AFC North, they are so tough. These are hard-nosed Midwestern people, uh, and and that value is instilled in their football teams, just how tough and how grind they are and how they never give up. And we saw that in this Bengals uh, improbable run here to the Super Bowl. So that's been instilled upon everybody on this Rams team by OBJ. Do not overlook them. Do not underestimate them. Now, as far as what we may see in the game, you know, that – That Bengals offensive line, as we said, has been allowing sacks all year long. And that's a scary proposition uh, if you're them going to the Super Bowl against this Rams defensive front with Leonard Floyd, uh, Greg Gaines, Von Miller, as we already mentioned, and obviously Aaron Donald, maybe one of the greatest defensive tackles of all time. That's going to be scary. Uh, Joe Burrow must be having nightmares leading up to this right now. Uh, And then you got a guy, Jamar Chase, who's just named the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. His yard after catchability has been phenomenal. And he's just been like the the number one guy right now for Joe Burrow, the escape goat when he needs it. But on the other side of the ball, you have Jalen Ramsey, who's kind of like wallpaper on the bedroom, right? He's everywhere. And I expect him to be lined up and try to neutralize Jamar Chase as much as you can. So those other guys like Higgins and Osmola, those are the guys that we're going to look at to see if the Bengals, you know, they're going to have to have big games if they want to beat this Rams team. And I think the Rams offense is going to be able to perform uh, even with the pressure that the Bengals defensive front can put on them and obviously cornerbacks like Eli Apple. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And the final thing I'll say about that guys is I really, really want to know uh, in the betting lines and how things work, just how much staying at home, sleeping in your own bed, practicing on your own practice field in Thousand Oaks at CLU campus where the Rams practice 
staying at the same team hotel you've been at all year long. How much of an advantage is that? I guess we got to ask Tom Brady and the Bucks from last year, but I want to know if that's going to have any impact on the game compared to the Bengals, who have to travel over here on Tuesday, stay in a hotel, practice at UCLA, be doing things they don't normally do. Yeah, no, I think it's a great question, Michael. It's probably factored into the line a little bit, whether that's worth a point, a half point, two points, but it is certainly something to think about in handicapping this Super Bowl. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. we got to get out of here. Enjoy the big game, my friend. You too. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the big game as well. Talk to you soon. All right. That is Michael Duarte. Check him out on Twitter at Michael J. Duarte, a writer and reporter for NBCLA. We'll come back and continue the final hour of the Pro Football Blitz. Stick with us. It's Visa, the sports betting network. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN has a great new offer that can only be described as madness. You get VSIN all access to everything we do from now through the College Basketball Championship on April the 4th for only $29. Sign up now and get our daily best bet emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming College Hoops betting guide, bracket breakdowns, plus full access to vsin.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game. This deal only happens once a year. Don't miss out. Visit vcin.com slash madness to sign up today. I'll tell you what, the madness isn't that far away, Mr. Salinas, and that is going to be something I am looking forward to for sure. Um, Let's talk about the tight ends and the rushing attack and rushing defenses in this game, the big game, of course, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams coming up next Sunday, and the tight ends have been uh, in a lot of the talk because they were both injured in the conference championship games last weekend, that being Tyler Higby and C.J. Uzuma. And, James, I kind of feel a little bit like that might be a bigger blow to the Rams than it is to the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Tyler Higby's absence and affecting that Rams offense more so than Cincinnati's. What do you think? I agree, I, especially for well, both sides. I think I think for the Cincinnati side with Uzuma being p- 
potentially out here. He started coming on the last, the, the second half of the season, and in particular the last seven games, including the playoffs before he got hurt quickly into that AFC Championship game. He had 43 targets over the last seven games because I think a lot more teams now are having to start to to, to roll more coverage towards Jamar Chase and and bracket coverage, more zone coverage, and take away, take away the speedsters, not only with Chase, but on the other side too. And that leaves a lot. Of, anytime you're running, especially things like if you're running a cover three zone, you're going to have a lot of opportunities for passes down the seams in the middle of the field. We know Burrow's not afraid to throw it anywhere over the field, but same thing here, I think, for Uzuma being able to get as many targets as he had because teams are adjusting. And I think on the other side for Tyler Higby, I mean, he's really come on the second half of the season as well. He's amassed 60. He had 60 targets over the last nine games before he was hurt in the NFC Championship game against San Francisco. And I think that's where for both of those quarterbacks, when you're thinking about a pass rush coming on, and especially on, well, for both of these quarterbacks, for that matter, neither of them are very mobile. I know Joe Burrow has better escapability out of the pocket, but he's not one that's going to be scrambling for a lot of big yards. He's just trying to extend plays outside the pocket, and Stafford really isn't one out outside of the play action boots that they do. He's not what well, he's a total pocket passer. So not having those tight ends available. And even if they are in this game, Brady, and I'm sure they're going to do everything they can. They're going to fight as hard and, and it's a Super Bowl, right? You may never have this opportunity again for either of these players. They're going to try to do everything they can to get out on that field. But even if they are out there, they're not going to be close to hundred percent. But I think I, I do. I think for the Ram side, it's probably a bit more impactful than for Cincinnati with Uzuma, but I think that they're both big losses. That kind of that, both of those guys, Brady, are factoring into my handicap for this game as far as the totals concerned. Yeah, I think they have to. And you touched on a few of the numbers recently. Tyler Higby has been targeted 99 times this season, including the playoffs. He has 70 receptions for 675 yards. CJ Uzuma has been targeted 79 times. So early in the season, not targeted a whole lot, not a big part of that offense, but you mentioned really has been as of late, 62 catches for 628 yards. So the numbers really aren't that much different between these two guys. Uh, basically, Higby's been targeted once more per game on average than Uzuma. Um, but it just feels to me like Matthew Stafford relies a little bit more on Higby than does Joe Burrow. And of course, he's got the big three receivers, Chase, Boyd, and Higgins. And not that Beckham and Cup and, and Jefferson are too shabby, but you know, I feel like it could hurt the Rams offense more than it does Cincinnati. And it's also a weak point of the Cincinnati defense, James. They are 26th in the league in defending the opposing tight end where the Rams are ninth. So if they don't have their number one tight end in Tyler Higby, that could be an advantage that maybe they have over the Cincinnati defense that maybe now is neutralized. Yeah, and especially the fact that the Rams have not been able to rush the football at all this season. I know Cam Akers was being injured before the season started was a big part of that. He was going to be the one because he was going to be the one that shouldered the load. And McVay's not one that he doesn't like to go running back by committee. He want, he knows it's, especially with the zone scheme that they run, He guys got to get in a rhythm and they start getting, you only get in a rhythm when you're getting consistent touches. And I think that's been an issue all season long because of not only Akers being down, but just the, the different running backs they've had to go through this season due to the injuries and never really got on any kind of consistent never got the running game going at all. No consistency with it. And I don't know if he has a whole lot of confidence in the running game at this point either. And then you think about Akers coming back, 
putting the ball on the ground. He dropped, he put the fumbled the ball twice in that game against Tampa Bay in the divisional series. Big game, big spots where he fumbled that ball too, and then got banged up last week with a shoulder injury and had to split time and carries with Sony Michelle back there. And not having Tyler Higby back there, I, I think that, again that takes away. He's one that, and not that Cooper Cup doesn't because they know we know the Rams offense. They run so many different crossers and and with thinking about thinking about cup i mean they'll they'll stack him so he's off the line of scrimmage and can't get a jam and get a bump on him here but not having higby in there i think uh, to your to your point brady i think that's a bigger loss and i think that's where the injury report the practice report coming out this coming week for higby in particular also got to see what cam Akers. he did not practice this week either uh, with the, with that shoulder injury, I'm sure they're probably just resting him, getting ready for practice next week. I suspect Acres will be out there, but the Higby is the big question mark. And I do, I agree with you, Brady. I think that's the bigger loss between the two tight ends with these teams. Well, let's go ahead and take a look at the rushing attack and the rushing defenses for both of these squads. The Bengals rank 23rd in rushing offense. The Rams rank 25th. Uh, on defense, Los Angeles is fifth in the league in stopping the run, and Cincinnati is eighth. So, really, if you look at the rankings offensively and defensively, this is pretty much a wash. Uh, you talked about the tight end situation being a part of your handicap for this game, James. What about the impact of the ground game, teams rushing the football and also stopping the run? Is that a big part of your look for this contest? It will be because I think both teams, especially on the Cincinnati side, and I think Joe, Joe Mixon is going to get plenty of opportunities. They need to. I think they've got to try to find ways to help slow. The best way to slow down a pass rush is to run right at it. And you know from with both Floyd and, and Miller on the other side, they're pretty flexible when it comes. Yes, they do rush the edges, and they'll run some stunts and twists and come on the inside too, but a lot of times that's where you would you can run off tackle and try to run right at those rushers. That's been a story. That was for Vaughn Miller here in Denver. That was the plan of attack for a lot of opponents was let him get around the outside, and we're going to run right there off off right tackle and, and run that consistently, not only to try to keep them honest at the line of scrimmage, but then try to grind out some of the clock here and be able to manage ball control as far as the Cincinnati offense is concerned. And because it is such a challenging offense on the other side that the Cincinnati Bengals defense is going to have to, to play against. Now the rushing attack on the other side for the Rams, we just talked about it, Brady. It really hasn't been, it's been non-existent all season. And even with Cam Akers coming back, I mean, I wonder how healthy, we know he's got the shoulder injury right now, but just coming back so quickly from an Achilles tear, he had surgery, I think it was in August, July, he went down. I think he's got that Achilles repaired back in August. I mean, that is really a quick turnaround to be able to step right in and, and try to get out there. And he hasn't had – he. I mean, he struggled to – the, the speed of the game, for one, and you can't simulate the contact either. And you saw he put two balls on the ground in that game against Tampa Bay. And then his his – his opportunities were split with Sony Michelle, I think partially because of the injury, obviously with the shoulder, but also I don't know where McVeigh is right now with Cam Akers. And I think that's, it's going to be, they didn't bring Matthew Stafford over and do the draft the way that, or make the trade with Jared Goff the way that they did and gave up the draft capital that they did to bring Stafford over to hand the football off Brady. I just think for the running game for the Rams, unless they get a double digit lead and they're trying to, to manage ball control and grind the clock out here, I just don't see it being a big 
part of this game plan for the L.A. Rams offense. Samaj P. Ryan for the Cincinnati Bengals. He averaged 4.5 yards per carry on just 55 attempts during the regular season. He also caught 31 balls out of the backfield for an average of nearly 8 yards per catch. Joe Mixon averaged 4.1 yards per carry on almost 300 attempts, and he hauled in 55 passes out of the backfield at nearly over seven and a half yards per catch. Sony Michelle averaged 4.1 yards per carry on 208 attempts during the regular season, only caught 24 balls out of the backfield and averaged just over five yards per catch. And Cam Akers, he's only been around for three plus games. He's only averaging 2.8 yards per carry in the playoffs, but he does have five catches out of the backfield at an average clip of 12 and a half yards per catch. So I said it a little earlier with that pass rush and the obvious mismatch there in the trenches when the Bengals are on offense, I think they might have to swing that ball out to P Ryan and Mixon out of the backfield. And maybe that'll loosen things up and let Burrow go down the field to that big trio of receivers. And, and that's how you start making prop bets, thinking about things like that, where players are going to flourish, how the direction of this ball game is going to go. We'll come back and talk with our next guest, Jared Dublin, when we come back on the pro football billets. This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Do you have questions about betting on the Super Bowl? Wondering how to hedge, or maybe you're looking for an unusual prop or insights from one of our hosts? The VEASAN Big Game Help Desk is here for you. Submit your questions at VEASAN.com slash Super Bowl, and it could be answered by one of our experts on the air or at VEASAN.com. Brady Cannon and James Salinas with you inside the Pro Football Blitz, and we're lucky enough to be joined now by Jared Dubin. He is a CBS Sports writer at CBSSports.com, covers the NFL, and you can follow him on Twitter at JADubin5. Jared, Thank you so much for joining us earlier in the program today. We had a uh, reporter on from Cincinnati and a reporter on from Los Angeles. Now, you do not have any regional bias here, so break the tie. But what's going to happen in the big game coming up on February 13th? Hopefully a lot of points, honestly. You know, there's a lot of offensive talent for, for both of these teams. You know, two good quarterbacks that are somewhat similar, actually, stylistically in just the ways they're willing to attack down the field. And I think on both sides, the wide receivers, particularly on the perimeter, should have some advantages. So hopefully we can get some big plays out there. Jared, you mentioned the big plays. Well, that's going to take time in the pocket for said Mr. Joe Burrow. What, what is, he's only been around for two years and actually didn't even play out his last his rookie season last year due to the, the tough knee injury that he suffered midway through la, in 2020. But thinking about this Bengals matchup on the offensive line, having to go against that Rams front and Aaron Donald, Von Miller and company there. Yeah, that's going to be a challenge. We know that, and it's clearly the the advantage to the Rams there. But what do you suspect from the Bengals? If you're going to get those points like you're hoping for, what do you suspect from the Bengals offensively to try to counter and adjust to that pass rush that they're going to see from L.A.? Yeah, they're going to have to get the ball out quickly and deep down the field at the same time. And that's, you know, it's a very difficult thing to do. But that's also the thing that they, you know, excelled at for a lot of this year. Joe Burrow, despite leading the league in sacks taken, 
also led the league in both completion percentage and yards per attempt. Usually, you know, you can lead the league in one or the other. You know, if you're if you're getting the ball out quickly, you're probably not moving and get downfield much. If you're getting the ball down the field and taking a lot of sacks, you're probably not completing the ball at a very high rate. But he did both of those things because they were able to get the ball out quickly and push it down the field at the same time because he's willing to put the ball up in the air for those guys in the perimeter, you know, particularly for Jamar Chase because of, you know, the chemistry that they have going back to their time at LSU. So they're really able to do that really well. And that's where you want to attack this Rams defense too, is on the outside to the perimeter rather than up the middle, you know, where they've obviously got Aaron Donald and they play Jalen Ramsey in the slot and they have good safety play. You want to be able to attack those corners on the perimeter. And that's the, the thing that the Bengals do best. Jared, what do you think maybe is uh, kind of an under-the-radar wrinkle here that uh, you're thinking we might see in the Super Bowl? And it was in the championship game last week, Cincinnati and Kansas City, where the defense in the second half really changed their approach. Uh, they were rushing only three guys at times. They were dropping everybody back. Um, you know, we have a tight end situation here in the game with Higby and Uzama are injured. I was just talking about it in the last segment. Maybe we'll see more passes out of the backfield to Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon. Do you think, is there a player or an aspect to the offense or the defense that you think, I mean, the, the big story has been the line of scrimmage, what we were just talking about, the Rams pass rush and the, uh, you know, the inability to protect the quarterback all season long for Cincinnati and their offensive line. Is there something maybe that you kind of think might develop here for one side or the other that nobody's talking about? I think there's two things. So the first is like, can either side get away with blitzing at all? Both of these quarterbacks and both of these offenses were really, really good against the blitz all throughout the season. And we've seen that in the playoffs too. Like if you blitz them, they just have their quarterbacks are too good. Their receivers are too good. They'll get open too quickly. And it's just, it's just not going to go well for you if either one of the defensive coordinators can come up with some sort of blitz that catches the opposing offense off guard and they don't get beat for a touchdown in that situation, I think that could be really big. And then, you know, we've seen throughout the playoffs so far that the Rams have sort of moved their backfields over to Cam Akers. And it's a great story that he's back from, you know, the Achilles injury that he suffered in July, but he hasn't been particularly effective. Um, you know, are they going to keep rolling with Cam Akers? Are they going to go back to Sony Michelle? And can they get anything going on the ground for really the first time in the playoffs. So let's switch to the other side here, Jared, and think about the Bengals defensively and some moves in the offseason, getting Hendrickson on the edge. He's been terrific as their leading pass rusher with 16 and a half sacks so far this season. But bringing in slot corner Mike Hilton, who's great, who's been very good there, as well as Ouizier, and brought in Apple too. Now, maybe Apple's probably the weak link of the secondary, but you got a couple hard hitters in the at the safety positions too with Bell and, and Bates back there. Just wondering from a defensive side with this Bengals team, a lot of really no names to, to speak of, right, as far as what the public might think of compared to what we see on the Rams side. But how do you think this Bengals defense is going to be able to match up against that Rams passing game? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Mike Hilton. He's probably the most important player in the game. If he can't cover Cooper Cup at all, then there's not really much of a chance for the Bengals to do anything. So, like if they're going to have to roll coverage to him and double team him with one of the, you know, the linebackers and Hilton or one of the safeties and Hilton, there's just too many bodies taken away from everywhere else. And you want to be able to get away with, you know, either playing zone or with one guy. If you play zone against Cooper Cup, he is going to get open. And, if, you know, if, he, if you play one guy on him, it's really tough, too, because he's going to get open for the most part. Mike Hilton is a good slot corner. 
He's probably got as good a chance to stay with him as any other slot corner in the league, but it's going to be really, really tough. And, you know, those safeties being able to take away the deep shots, particularly like they've hit Van Jefferson on a bunch of deep balls this year. And, you know, they have Odell Beckham run like those backside dig routes. And if the safeties can drive down on those and take them away, then all of a sudden you got to start throwing to the running backs, start throwing to the tight ends and things like that. And it just changes things for the offense a little bit. He is Jared Dubin. He covers the NFL for CBSSports.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at JADubin5. And, Jared, I want to ask you about the coaching matchup. Sean McVay and Zach Taylor, of course, uh, this is uh, reunited, and it feels so good in the Super Bowl for these two guys. Of course, Zach Taylor was, I believe, the quarterback's coach for the Los Angeles Rams for a couple of seasons there when McVay was the head coach. And then we saw, you know, really the Sean McVay coaching tree develop in the NFL. Matt LaFleur goes to the Packers. Uh, This guy at a very young age uh, already has a little bit of a legacy. Uh, You know, I think the general perspective or consensus would be that Sean McVay is the better coach. Zach Taylor was much maligned when he got there his first couple of years with the Bengals, but a lot has changed since he got that number one draft pick out of LSU named Joe Burrow. Uh, do you think there's an edge for McVay coaching wise? How do you see these uh, couple of old pals going at it? Well, I think it's somewhat similar to, you know, McVay going against Kyle Shanahan. Like one guy is running the, the full conception of the offense because he came up with it and he's able to, to iterate off of it in a little bit of a different way than the other one. You know, I don't know necessarily that the Bengals are running like, you know, the same offense that, you know, the Rams are running or the 49ers are running, you know, they're all offshoots of each other and they've all changed over the years and things like that. And, you know, they're, they're not even the same, they're not even running the same version of it in LA that they are in San Francisco or, you know, in, in, in Cleveland or Minnesota or anywhere else that they're running it. Everything is different at this point, but there is a little bit more knowledge when, you know, you were a guy's assistant and you learned the offense from him. And now, you know, he's still able to, to iterate off of it and create different matchups out of it in a different way, maybe than you are. I think that uh, Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan have done a good job of molding that offense to fit their personnel where they attack a little bit more vertically as opposed to, you know, the horizontal way that a lot of the early Rams offenses did. And they operate more out of empty because that's what Burrow likes to do. You know, it's obviously a lot different with their offensive line too, because they're just not able to hold up in protection in the same way. So, you know, that's sort of a long winded way of saying like in a vacuum, sure. McVay's probably got, you know, a little bit of an edge, but each of these guys is coaching to the strengths of their own team anyway. So it's not so much that they're coaching against each other as they are coaching their team to point out, to take advantage of their own strengths and, you know, try to take advantage of the other team's weaknesses at the same time. All right, very good. Uh, Jared, we've got to let you go. We're just about out of time, and I know we're still a week away here from the Super Bowl, but what's your early gut feeling? Uh, Not necessarily, maybe just kind of a a guess at a score, a winner. What are you thinking right now, still a week ahead? I'm thinking that we're going to get some fireworks offensively. I think that both of these teams, like I said, the quarterbacks and the receivers, I think are going to be the guys that control the game and I'm feeling a little bit more comfortable with the Rams offense against the Bengals defense at this point. So I'd lean in that direction. All right. Very good. Jared, thank you so much for joining us and enjoy the Super Bowl next week, my friend. Thanks for having me. Have a good week, guys.
All right, that is Jared Dubin of CBSSports.com. Again, catch him on the tweets at Dubin 5 And uh, so he's one that's looking towards the over, Mr. Salinas. He thinks there's going to be some fireworks. The fans out here would love that for sure. We will see the early moves in the market have been towards the under. Of course, the game opened with a total of about 50 and now down to 48 and a half. We'll see where that changes if it does as we get closer to game time. We're getting closer to getting out of here. James Salinas and Brady Cannon, a little bit left of the pro football blitz for you. Stick with us. We'll be right back at VSIN. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. You know that VSIN is the best place to get all the betting insights for the big game. And right now, you can sign up to get our free big game betting guide. The digital guide gives you trends, strategies, props to watch, and tips from our experts. You can visit vsin.com slash Super Bowl to get your free guide and get ready for the biggest football betting action of the year. Check it out. It's not that far away. Super Bowl 56, Sunday, February 13th from SoFi Stadium, the Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. Los Angeles opened up as a three and a half or four point favorite. Quickly bet up to four and a half. The total quickly came down from 50 to 48 and a half. And that's where we stand currently. Four and a half points in favor of Los Angeles with a total of 48 and a half. The prop bets have just been released uh, by the Westgate earlier this week and by Circus Sports earlier today. I do have one bet in pocket, James, and that is the two-team six-point teaser on the Bengals teased up to plus 10 and a half with the total over 42 and a half. And I mentioned that total has been bet down uh, on the traditional uh, uh, number early in the market uh, or early upon release of the total in this game. Um, but taking it down to 42, I, I still think we're going to get over that. Um, I, you know, I understand taking this game down from 50. I don't know if we're going to get above 50, but rather than teasing, making my teaser leg over or under 54 and a half, rather moving the six points that way, I felt better about taking it down because I do think both of these teams are probably going to get into the low 20s, somewhere 24, 21, 26, 20. I I think that's kind of the neighborhood where we will land. Um, We've been through 
almost three hours of a show here, Mr. Salinas, and we've spoken with a number of guests, Richard Skinner from Cincinnati. We spoke with Michael Duarte from L.A., and then, of course, Jared Dubin. He was a neutral party. Uh, We spoke with the bookmakers as well, Derek and Jeff. Have you been able to maybe get closer to formulate an opinion enough where you've got a bet that you're now largely considering? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm there on the total. And I'm looking at the under. And I think part of it is going to be, all right, if I'm looking at playing the under, we've already discussed that with, we, we talked about that with Derek Stevens and Jeff Benson, that when that public starts to come in, does that number start to tick up? Maybe right now I see it at 49 for circa and 48 and a half a number of the books out here in Colorado. Does that continue to tick up? Does it go to 49 and a half? I don't know if it quite gets that. I don't think it'll get back to 50, but I don't think it's good. I think 48 and a half is about as low as it's going to go. So I can wait. And I typically wait when it comes to the Super Bowl. Anyhow, we've got two weeks. I don't want to rush to judgment. And, and especially like we when we were on a Sunday night and thinking, about just fresh off both of the conference championship games finishing and how those might match out. You can start to formulate a piece, but I don't want to get too far ahead of myself and and start to maybe even let some kind of subconscious bias come in for one side or the other. But at this case now, we're a week out. We're, we're, We're still a week away, and I'll probably still wait. There's no reason for me to get involved with this total quite yet since I'm leaning towards the under. I think the injury reports are going to be key. We'll see, and we've talked about it for both starting tight ends for each of those teams, whether it's C.J. Uzumov for the Cincinnati Bengals and Tyler Higby, the other side for the L.A. Rams. I think they're both very impactful for both of those quarterbacks and considering the defense that I think we're going to see a lot more zone out of both of these teams, uh, that's where those two players are really key if they're available. If they are available, how healthy are they going to be? I don't think they're going to be 100% if they even see the field uh, because of just the recent knee injuries, the sprains that they both suffered in the conference championship games. Uh, and then the other piece, you know, uh, sometimes Brady, uh, I don't want to have a Eugene Robinson situation happen out there where I have a side or a certain player that goes out and he's out on Hollywood Boulevard looking for love and gets pinched and gets in trouble. And we see what happens <laughs> come Sunday morning when they wake up. Because I remember that flatly out here when it came to the the Falcons and the and the Broncos. We've had a few other ones. Barrett Robbins uh, going on a on a, a little bender down in Tijuana back in the day with the <laughs> uh, with the Raiders as well. So that's part of it too. And not that that happens. That's Definitely, you know, uh, just it's all in jest and kidding aside. I think for me, there's no reason to get involved now because, again, I think the side piece that's I think the longer that we go, the more questions, the the more I'm just not going to get be able to get past the fact that this offensive line for the Cincinnati Bengals is just I just don't know how they're going to be able to to contain for four quarters for 60 minutes against that pass rush from the L.A. Rams. And it's very similar in a sense from last year to obviously different teams. And maybe the front seven is is much better from the Tampa Bay Bucks last year than what we'll see from this front seven from the L.A. Rams in this matchup against Cincinnati. But I think the offensive line issues are are kind of similar. Now, Kansas City had a number of injuries up front with that offensive line rolling into the Super Bowl, and I just couldn't get past the fact that you're going to have new faces and new places of that starting five, and it definitely played out that way with with Mahomes running around for like 500 yards, scramble yards behind the line of scrimmage, just, just getting decked all day long and really took him out of any kind of offensive rhythm. That's the concern for me here is this, this Bengals offensive line 
yeah, it's it's a few moving parts throughout the season, but this is the same offensive line in a sense that they started with early in the season and the depth is there. It's just not a very good offensive line, and we know the strength of that Rams defense is going to be that pass rush. I just don't know if I'm going to be able to get past that to, to get myself on the dog side with the Bengals. Yeah, I think you make a good point, James, about the total in this game. Uh, you might as well wait because I, I agree with you. I don't really think it's going to get any lower. Maybe we'll see it tick to 48 here momentarily early in the week. Uh, but I think eventually it's only going to go higher. And that's another reason on that leg of the teaser I went over. Because I think right now uh, when you tease that down to 42 and a half on a six-point teaser, I think that's probably the best you're going to see as this uh, total will probably head back the other direction as we get closer to game time. I want to ask you about this, James. I think most people had the Kansas City Chiefs probably power rated higher than the Los Angeles Rams in their final rankings, you know, just a week or two ago, and and probably not by a whole lot. But um, I imagine Kansas City was probably somewhere in the top three or four spots, and the Rams might have been just a little bit lower than that. If Cincinnati can beat the Rams, then you think, or excuse me, if Cincinnati can beat the Chiefs, then you think, geez, they ought to be able to beat the Rams as well. But I think a big part of the reason that they beat the Chiefs, obviously they made the adjustment in the second half defensively, but one of the things that the Chiefs have not had all season long, I don't think they've had a great defense. It certainly got a, it got better, especially in the middle of the season. They really improved, but they never had a great pass rush. And maybe that's one of the reasons that Joe Burrow was able to lead his team back into contention and eventually a victory in that game. That's not going to be the case for the Rams. They do have a pass rush. Well, in the pass rush for Kansas City, they were able to get in and get Burrow off his spot. But it was Burrow being able, he's not the greatest of athletes, and we know he's he's got that knee injury or the surgery that he had to come off from last time, from last season as well. He's he's going to be able to extend plays, and he was, and his escapability showed out in that game, especially on third down against the Kansas City Chiefs in particular in that second half. I think he converted three different third downs into first downs with his feet in that game, and really it was because of his escapability, and not that a great athlete again, but being able to get away from that Kansas City pass rush that isn't quite as athletic or as fast, whether it's, and now you're going to talk about both Miller and Floyd coming off those edges, and we know they're going to run some stunts and, and be able to get and twist up inside, too. I think Gaines really had, Gaines had a great day last week. He's a great the player. Francisco he's the guy yeah, that gets he, overlooked. He, he's really uh, good. And, right. And we're not talking about him. We we talk about Donald and and Miller and Ramsey in that defense for and rightfully so. These are these are tremendous players for the LA Rams. But you look at the guys that take on those double teams and get into the backfield tackles for loss. Those guys that are the unsung guys like Gaines uh, and allow some of those stunts to be able to take place. I think for Burrow, he's not. If he does get put off his spot, he's not going to have as uh, be able to escape those pass rushers the way that he did last week against Kansas City because Floyd and Miller running him down, uh, these guys have far better athleticism than what we saw out of the Kansas City edge rushers. All right, James, one more question. If the Bengals were able to stop the Kansas City offense and Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, we know that's a pretty lethal combination. They ought to be able to stop the Rams offense. Well, and the Rams are pretty much as 
almost as one-dimensional as Kansas City when it comes to just throwing the football. And I think what we've seen from Cincinnati, which has been really interesting, is they've had a lot of turnover on off on the defensive side. Hendrickson coming over was huge. Awuzie, I think, has played beyond expectations. And Hilton coming into that slot corner at the nickel position coming in. But they also vary up their coverages. They had that defense this season played over 100 snaps of cover one, two, three, four, and six this year. Wow. So they mix and disguise a lot of coverages. So I think that's going to be something they're going to do a lot of pre-step movement to try to confuse that offense and in particular for Matthew Stafford. So it's not just a given. They're going to be able to sling it around. I like what we've seen out of that secondary from the Cincinnati Bengals. That's very interesting too because when you're watching film all week on this defense, you're like, what are they going to do? They've done so many different yeah. things. Uh, that's pretty cool. All right, very good. Well, we will have more of this tomorrow and uh, as the week continues up to the big game coming up, Super Bowl 56 down at SoFi Stadium. Thank you very much, James. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you to the crew. Thank you to our producer, Dan Miller. Thank you to all of you listening to us at VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.